Welcome back, everyone, to Diary of an Empath. Today, we have a very special guest. She's a renowned motivational speaker, manifestation coach, and host of the podcast, It's Fucking Spiritual. She's been captivating audiences worldwide with her powerful insights, her transformative teachings, and her expertise lies in helping individuals manifest their dreams and create positive change. So get ready to be inspired as she shares her wisdom on manifesting success and embracing a mindset of abundance. Please join me in welcoming the incredible Rachel Gibbler. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. What an intro. I love it. You deserve it. I was telling you before that before we started recording, I just felt like your energy, first of all, you're fucking gorgeous. If you guys are not looking at like a YouTube video and you're just listening, when you go to her profile, you will see like, I just feel like you're like a Scottish queen, you know, the long oh. ginger hair, the beautiful skin. She's gorgeous. And then I Thank saw you. like twerk queen. I'm like, oh, this is, I love her vibe. Like this whole energy. <laughs> Thank you. I got range, you know? I love it. I love the dynamics, the spiritual components. I'm like, I have to have her on the show. So one thing I love to start with, because I really like to understand, I feel like when you understand somebody's background and their childhood and their upbringing, and even some of the things that they've been through, it helps you to understand the path that they've been on and how they've gotten to where they are now. So help me to understand that. Take me back. What do I need to understand about your path to understand who you are today? Oh, such a good question. We could just dive right in. It's perfect. Yeah, let's do it. Um, for, for anybody that doesn't know me, it's never been in my world before, uh, where I kind of start the story is, is the beginning of, of my journey and really my dark night of the soul, which was when I was 16 years old. Um, I grew up in an incredible family, small family, only child to two amazing parents who were deeply in love. And uh, on, on the outside looking in, it looked like I had ev had everything, right? And um, in many ways I did until I was 16 and my life really turned upside down and my father was killed in a freak accident. And this completely rocked my world, as you can imagine, uh, as well as my mother's. And uh, a lot of different things transpired over over that year, and I found myself as a 17-year-old, um, a senior in high school, living alone and um, having no direction and being very angry. And uh, I was atheist at the time, had no belief outside of myself, which I think really attributed to this downward spiral that I had for about eight years uh, after his death. And so that was, it looked like drug and alcohol abuse, abusive relationships, um, just putting myself in really dangerous situations and ultimately like having feeling like I was so out of control because of what had happened in my life and feeling really unworthy and leaning into that unworthiness and having that manifest outwardly in my life. And maybe people listening to this can relate to some type of dark night of the soul on their own, um, that place where you're in this really rock bottom and you have no real hope and no, like, no understanding of how things are ever going to get better and, and acting out or numbing out in certain ways. And, and that's what I was doing. I lived my life disassociated for about a decade. And during that process, I also had an intuitive inner knowing from the moment my father passed, there was this like fire lit inside of me and this voice that said, this won't be all for nothing. Like you're going to make something of the story. 
And I ignored it and I went on my life and I did the drugs and I drank and I made the poor decisions and I would have that voice and these inkling and these little moments, this won't be all for nothing. And when I was 23, I found myself living a life on a hamster wheel, checking the boxes, having a corporate job, working 80 hours a week in sales for someone else, blacking out on the weekends, having party friends, really not um, being growth oriented at all in my life. And I knew something needed to change. And one day it was December 2017 and I cried out on my lunch break and I was like, please just let time stop so I can think like I just need a moment to breathe so this won't be all for nothing. Like, what do I do with my story? And your wish is my command. A week later, I was in my own freak accident mm -hmm. and I shattered my knee and was forced to take three months medical leave, which ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me. And um, during that time, I had that same voice come, come to me and basically said, use this time wisely and this won't have been all for nothing. This is your gift. And yeah, I, I Googled how to be happy <laughs> and that's mm -hmm. where I started. And I found self-development and mindset work really entered through kind of what I call the front door of self-development with affirmations and goal setting and mindset work and thought work. And um, yeah, I dedicated my life in those three months in bed to like really changing and coming out on the other side, studying successful entrepreneurs, studying how people overcame really adverse um circumstances in their lives and and being really inspired to be one of those people one day for somebody else. And I think in that moment, I knew that one day I would be sitting here um, sharing the story. And, and that was the beginning of walking the path. And that's been about five and a half years now of being fully dedicated to that, to that process. And eventually that turned into, you know, sharing my own story and starting my own brand. And I could go all into, into that and how I became spiritual and, and how it's fucking spiritual was created. But, um, that's essentially the story of how I got started. And, and now here we are on the other side of that being inspiring for other people. Yeah. When I talk to people and interview them, especially ones that have gone on a spiritual journey, what I've noticed, and this includes myself, is that a lot of us have had trauma or have had something that put us on this trajectory of a really, really rough period in our life. And then all of a sudden took a completely different spin because we were just being called to it. So just like you, I was 17. I was living on my own. I had gotten into, I was just, just positions that were so bad for me. I'm talking like with men, with drugs, with alcohol, with going to parties, going to raves, like I, man, doing ecstasy, doing all types of shit that was just like blows my mind when I think about it and how I'm even still alive today and went into the military and, you know, ended up having a kid and which changed the trajectory of my life. But I have had lots of trauma in my background and, and went through a lot of those things to get there. Two things that you said that stood out to me, you talked about outward manifestation and unworthiness. Tell me about that because I feel like for us, when we feel unworthy or we go through some of these things, it can project into some of the relationships that we choose or the lifestyles that we live. How, where do you think that connection is for you? And for someone feeling unworthy, where do they start in order to get out of that cycle? Mm, such a good question. Well, the relation between 
what it, what is outwardly manifested in your life is the creation of what is the first the inner manifestation. So we manifest circumstances and 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 an outward projection of how we feel internally. So when I say that it was you know, I think a lot of times people think, oh, like I can't manifest or like I'm not good at manifesting. It's like, no, when we really understand what manifestation really is, it's simply a process of creating in your external reality a result of what your thoughts, feelings and beliefs. And so if you are feeling negative about yourself, if you're feeling unworthy, if you're not feeling confident, if you're feeling um, you know, it, it, any sort of negative feeling toward yourself in some way, and that is the, the predominant feeling that you feel about yourself that manifests in the actions, right? So the thoughts that we have create the feelings that we have. The feelings drive our actions and our actions produce the results that we ultimately have in our life. So for me at that time, I mean, it's multi-layered, but it, it was... I was going to parties and, and drinking and doing the drugs and in the negative relationships, subconsciously reflecting back to me, accepting the treatment that I thought I deserved. So the unworthiness that I felt was reflected in the way that that boyfriend that I allowed to be in my life treated me. I treated my body in the way that I felt about my body, which was not good, right? I treated mm -hmm. my body very poorly um, because I, I didn't want to be in my body. But I think there's so much nuance to this because I can say that now from this vantage point in which I sit as I've done this work on myself. But if someone is in the depths of their despair and in an abusive relationship, and I think I said this on Danny Morell's podcast as well, um, is I wouldn't say to someone like you created and manifested this in your entire life. When someone's in that psyche in that moment, I'm not going to tell them that you brought this on yourself. They're already in the mentality of beating themselves up. That's not mm -hmm. the point. When we understand the deeper layer and the spiritual component and really karmic cycle of all of this, we can start to have that conversation. But what I would say to someone that's going through this or in the depths of feeling unworthy right now in this moment is like, Hey, like, You've been through some shit, I'm sure, to get to this point and feel the way that you feel. And it's really valid. I mean, anybody, we, we do the best that we can with mm -hmm. what it is we have at the time. I don't fault myself for any of those relationships or the drug abuse or any of that because I did the best I could with what I knew how at the moment. Right. And, and so I think having a lot of self-compassion and understanding for the self that is wanting to get their needs met in some way, wanting companionship, wanting um, you know, to disassociate because it's too painful, wanting mm -hmm. to, for me, I wanted to be noticed. I wanted someone to see that something was wrong, so I acted out. Like there's so many, so much of what we do, we're not doing it because we're trying to create chaos in our lives. We're doing it because we're trying to get a need met in a way that might not necessarily be um, the the best route to go about it, but it's mm -hmm. still coming from typically a, a deep place of desire and um, needing and needing some type of need to be met. And so, yeah, I think I think I would say anybody going through that right now is just like pause for a moment, 
allow yourself to get quiet enough to listen to your own inner voice. Cause typically when we're in that state, we're bulldozing through our emotions in some capacity to not feel them. If you get quiet enough to listen, what is the thing that you need to do? Is that separate yourself from a relationship or from a relationship with a drug or with alcohol? Is it to separate something, get, give enough space just enough so that you can begin to, um, to hear the inner voice that wants, wants more for you and wants the best for you. Um, and then start to do one small thing differently, 1% differently, 1% better and begin to count, um, to, to give yourself, celebrate yourself for these small little shifts rather than berating yourself for all the ways that you're doing it wrong and beginning mm -hmm. to like repattern that neural pathway. And over time, that's going to grow and to expand and, and really begin to help increasing your confidence. Did you guys know that I'm not only a therapist, but I'm also a coach and a professional tarot reader? Now, it's not exactly me hovering over a crystal ball telling your future. It's a way to connect with your guides on life issues such as career and love and spirituality. And sometimes people need one-on-one -on -one coaching to help them through breakups, toxic relationships, healing the mother wound, their spiritual path, or navigating tools as an empath. So I do all of these things to help my clients pursue life and decisions and understand themselves. So if you are interested in one-on-one -on -one coaching or a tarot reading, click the link below to get started. Okay, back to the podcast. 1% different. I love that you said that because for a lot of people, it's so difficult to sit with themselves, to sit with their thoughts. It's uncomfortable and we avoid what is uncomfortable in our lives. We avoid what causes us pain. We avoid what causes us fear or what causes us discomfort. So if there's trauma, if there's something that you haven't faced in, you know, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and now you have to sit with it, you have to process it. It's uncomfortable. So I love that you said, break it down 1%, just 1% better today. Because I think if we think of it in small increments like that, it can be much more feasible to maybe face some of the stuff that we don't want to face about ourselves or about our situations or about our relationships. And I think for me too, when I was going through some of that, I had to really determine what is draining me. Is this relationship draining me? Is my job draining me? And then what feels expansive? And I love how you broke down, you know, expansive versus draining. How does somebody determine that? What does that feel like? How do I know if this relationship is draining me versus expanding my awareness or my energy? How do we make that determination? Mm. I love that. I love this question. And I love that you asked this for context. So in, in, if you're ever deciding what direction that you want to go, do you want to leave a relationship? Do you want to stay? Do you want to leave a job? Do you want to stay? You can ask yourself the question, does this feel expansive for me? Or does this feel draining to me? And the key is that if you are so in the mind and you're like, but which one is it? Is it expansive or is it draining? I don't really know. Right you're probably not allowing yourself, yourself the space to listen to the answer come through your body. And when you're in your head and saying, trying to make, make sense of it, like, well, here's all the reasons why it feels draining and here's all the reasons why it could feel expansive and you can flip flop back and forth, that tells me that you're in your head and you're not in the feeling of it. And you're probably not 
pausing enough to get quiet enough to listen to the truth come through. So I'd almost ask the next question if you're in that space, like get curious. Do you maybe not want to know the answer? Mm, mm-hmm. And if so, why? What, what if it's draining and you're really arguing it for, for it to be expansive, right? Mm-hmm. So being in your head is oftentimes like an indicator that we maybe don't want to know the answer that our body already has, has the, the key to. And so getting curious about that and then also getting quiet enough to listen. So something that is, I mean, ex- when you get quiet and you ask yourself, is this expansive for me? If your body contracts, you know it's, it's a no, right? If your body feels like, oh, it's like a breath and it feels exciting and it feels exhilarating and like it, it can still feel scary. In your brain, something expansive that feels expansive in the body can still feel scary in the mind. Like making a big business investment, like asking that person out that you really like and have feelings for, you know, there's so many things that can feel expansive that are scary. And there's also many things that feel draining, but our mind makes sense of an argument that we should do it because either somebody else said we should, or society says that we should, or it seems like the most logical answer and yet, if you check in with your body, if your body contracts, you know, does this feel draining? And it's like, oh, it does, but I don't really know why. You don't need to know why. Trust that your body holds the answer and has the, all of the wisdom that you need, much, mo- over, much more than your mind can articulate or compute at the time. Yeah, I always tell people... Trust your intuition, trust what your body's telling you, because like I'm an empath, I am an empath on crack, literally, you know, I, for those that know the clear is like clairsentient, that's a hundred percent me. But I know even going back to my background and when I, when I think about my childhood, chronic stress, trauma, total nervous system activation, fight or flight mode, pretty much my entire young adult years took that into relationships now seeking these really high highs and these low lows and you know chasing these you know, these dopamine kicks and these adrenaline rushes especially when it comes to toxic relationships and so i love how you break down that's actually the, one of the reasons why i wanted to have you on this podcast there was a post that you made talking about the nervous system and i love talking about the nervous system because i think when you understand how energy and trauma and stress affects your body, affects your decisions, affects your habits, affects your patterns, you can start making changes to make big changes in your life. And when I started to realize that, and I'm like, oh shit, that's why I'm ending up in toxic relationships. That's why I've made X, Y, and Z choices. And when I started to realize that, I knew what to work on. So for somebody that maybe doesn't really understand what that is, how can we use the nervous system to make changes in our life, to change patterns, to change relationships? How would you break that down? Yeah. So I love talking about the nervous system and talking about creating based on, let me, let me back up. The reason I got into the nervous system regulation work, and I'll just tell a personal story, is that I I am certified in, in a lot of different things that have to do with subconscious reprogramming. And I did a lot of work in the subconscious reprogramming what realm, and it got me pretty far. 
Um, and I was doing a lot of thought work. I was doing a lot of subconscious work. I was doing a lot of hypnotherapy and things like that. And I created a lot of success in my business. I created a lot of the things and the stuff that I wanted on my vision board. And I was doing a lot of the typical manifestation rituals at this point and learning from a lot of different manifestation teachers that taught in this way. And what I realized is I suddenly looked around. I had had a really big launch and I had, um, I was in the big house that I wanted and I, you know, was in, I, essentially in the middle of the vision board reality that I wanted to create. And I felt all of a sudden depressed, realizing mm. that I had created all the things I thought I wanted that were going to make me feel a certain way. And I didn't feel that feeling, couldn't access the fulfillment and the joy, or it was very fleeting. And I realized it wasn't the key and it wasn't the answer. And then I needed to go a layer deeper, which is what got me into working in the body and trauma stored in the body and we cannot outwork the state that our body and our nervous system is in. Yep. So if we're teaching manifestation from just the realm of reprogram your subconscious mind, that's a huge piece of it. Yes, thought work is huge. Yes, even affirmations and deciding what you want and, you know, aligning to the feeling of having it and all of those things. Great. And it's only one piece of the puzzle. You cannot reprogram your subconscious mind if you are in the state of fight or flight. Mm -hmm. You just can't. It, you will always go back to that baseline of your nervous system being dysregulated. And it's not the popular thing because we are in a society that wants the stuff and the things and the quick fix and, you know, okay, these are, these are the steps I need to do to manifest my dream life and, and that's it. But why do we actually want any of the things that we want? It's because we want to access the, we want the feeling of having it. And sometimes, you know, people that are in a wildly dysregulated state, if you've tried to do typical manifestation practices and you're trying to access the feeling and you can't access the feeling, it's probably because you're in a state of nervous system dysregulation. So we have to start there. And it's not as sexy and it's mm -hmm. slower and you can't rush your nervous system to repattern a trauma response. Yes. So it's not the thing that we necessarily want to hear, but like, take it from me, you can walk that path all day, but you're still going to find yourself in the middle of a sea of success that you can't even connect to because your nervous system was in fight or flight the entire time. So it really is the, the, the anchor and the core path that holds up everything else. And now my new my new kind of North star is living a life that feels just as good as it looks. And I am very much still walking that path and certainly don't have it perfect, but having the tools to regulate and to calm my nervous system and to show my body that it's safe and to repattern, like it is a slow process, but one that is deeply rewarding as I continue to practice and walk that path on a daily basis. So 1% better. Let's, let's take that into context. So what is maybe some small things that someone can do today to help the nervous system regulate something they can do it on their own at home, or even something they can hire a coach for, but what is something that someone can do to take that 1% better today? From a nervous system standpoint, 1% mm -hmm. better can look like 
if every single day you wake up and you get on your phone and then you get you or you see the news and you get triggered by something and you can feel the agitation set in, like if you really start to observe your day, probably doing similar things over and over and over again, and I'm willing to bet that not all of them are positively affecting your life, whether that's scrolling and mindlessly scrolling, right? Let's take mindlessly mm -hmm. scrolling uh, in the morning as a, an example. And we all do it. We all do it. <laughs> For the most I'm guilty part. of it too. I'm guilty of it too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, something you can do to be 1% better is notice yourself when you're, when you're catching, say you're catching yourself in that action, putting your phone down immediately, try, like as soon as you catch, oh, I'm doing it again, putting your phone down and taking 10 deep breaths. That can be one. Same thing, like accessing the breath is the number one thing that, to do when it comes to repatterning the nervous system. There's so many different techniques that we can do when it comes to EFT tapping and, um, you know, just different somatic techniques. But like the number one thing is the breath. The breath is the bridge between the conscious and the unconscious mind. So if you can elongate your exhales and breathe in and out of your nose, which will naturally elongate your exhales, that is going to take your, your nervous system down from a sympathetic to a parasympathetic state. You can do that even for just one minute. Same thing as if you notice yourself getting riled up and angry at your partner, rather than going and like snapping at them immediately, can you take your 10 deep breaths before you respond or pick up and respond okay. to that email or that text message? If you can create in just enough space to elicit a pattern interrupt, now you have time to decide on the next action rather than having that action like act you, right? Yes. Like, mm -hmm. and, and so I think that would be the number one place I'd say to start is just accessing the breath and not making yourself wrong when you notice that you're going into habitual patterns, but how often and how quickly can you stop it? Mm -hmm. And the breath is accessible. We all can do it. We all have it. It doesn't cost you any money. And I love that you brought up the breath because we come into this life with breath and we leave this life with breath. And there's so many studies that show how even meditation and breath work can really affect the body and calm the nervous system. And so I think that's an absolute great tip and something that everybody can do. One thing that you brought up earlier was how when you're trying to dissect what's expansive or trusting your intuition, sometimes the mind or the ego wants the evidence. We want the reasons why we want to fight it. How does somebody distinguish, you know, the ego between the intuition? How do we start to trust our intuition? Because that's something that I struggled with for the longest time. And I'm telling you, like when it's, when I started trusting my intuition, it saved me so much time when it came to toxic relationships. It saved me time when it came to situations that didn't serve my highest good. And my intuition always knew when something was wrong, when somebody was lying to me, when a guy was toxic, but it's like, my brain was like, no, no, no. I just need the, I need the evidence. If I can just see it, then I'll leave. If I just see the text messages or I see that he's cheating, then I'll leave. But then my intuition's like, no, bitch, you know, 
you know, but it's like my mind, my ego didn't want to, didn't want to listen. So how do we trust our intuition? I know that's a, a crazy question, but some people really just don't know I, how. Well, I've, I've struggled with this as well. And I think if anybody listening to this really resonates with that first want to just say, it's not your fault, especially as women, we are taught not to trust ourselves. So there is like a very deeply ingrained societal, systemic, and ancestral um, mm -hmm. issue when it comes to trusting ourselves. Like we've been gaslit, and I, I hate to say that, but it's very true. Like if we talk about ancestral lineage, like we've been gaslit not to trust ourselves. We've been put in situations where it's dangerous to trust that intuition, right? So there is a very deep, um, I, I, I just want to, I want to say here that like, don't beat yourself up if you are in this, asking this question, because it's very, very common. Actually, I get this question a lot and it's something that I work on and actively still work on because naturally, oftentimes our intuition is telling us something where we're going to need to either walk away, we're going to need to make a change, we're going to have to do something that's scary. And so it's much easier to want to rationalize our way out of it. And what I'll say as far as like distinguishing the voice, the ego is argumentative. The ego is loud. The ego is very much in the mind. It's very much rationalization. It's you should do this. If you're hearing yourself saying you should, that's your ego. As far as your intuition, it's quiet. It's typically like a little nudge here, a little nudge there. It's a little, don't do that. Don't go that direction. And then your mind is, but I should. And I, but this makes sense. And, but he didn't really do anything. And well, I can't, right. It's that whole loop. The intuition is calm. It is just like little inner guidance. And if you get quiet enough to listen, again, I'm just going to keep coming back to creating space, to the breath, to getting quiet, to allowing that voice to come through, not numbing it out, right? Like these are all simple things that, like you said, are, are accessible. And when you get quiet enough to listen, you're going to hear the difference between your intuition and your inner voice and your inner wisdom and knowledge and knowing and the loud voice of the ego that wants everything to stay the same and stay comfortable because that means that it's going to be safe. How did you get past the ego? Because you talked about how at one point you were an atheist and you know you didn't have a lot of the same beliefs that you are going through now or that you're at in your current path. How did you get past your limiting beliefs? How did you get past that ego? And what does spirituality mean for you? Because it, it went, that's a big transition to go from, I don't believe in a higher power to now this like spiritual high priestess that is, you know, so in tuned with her spiritual side. And a lot of people that are going through these changes, they don't really know how to overcome that. So how, what was that like for you? Yeah. Um, well, first I'll say I didn't, I didn't get over my ego. I don't think that's the goal. I don't know if we ever really do. If, if there is someone out there that truly has transcended that, then, you know, amazing, but I, <laughs> I'm, I'm not that person. <laughs> I'm certainly not that person. And, and, uh, I've overcome a lot of limiting beliefs. I've also, I, I also still actively work on them 
on a daily basis. And what I found on this path is that it tends to be cyclical and, and I see it almost as it spirals upward. So my belief and take this or leave this, but what has been true for me in my life is that I believe that our life path is we are here, here on the planet individually to heal specific karmic lessons that only our life path has. And so my karmic lessons might be very different than yours, but the deep wounding, the deep lesson that might be like unworthiness or um, like that that's one for me is that like I'm not capable is a deep is a deep wound that I have that was definitely patterned in childhood and possibly, you know, lineages and all and all of those things. But what I mean by cyclical is like, okay, I'll overcome that belief and I'll make a lot of progress and I'll think, okay, that limiting belief is gone. And then I get to the next level and then actually that belief again comes up and gets to be cleared again on another level. And I'm, and I'm meaning this more for like our deepest, deepest wounds. There are definitely certain things that I used to believe that I don't, that I no longer believe now anymore, but I think it's a lifetime process and path. And what I'll say about the work is that it's not that I've transcended my ego in any way. Like I'm still very much like human and messy and imperfect and have beliefs mm -hmm. and doubt myself and have the same shit come up that I thought I got over and then realized I didn't when mm -hmm. it came up on a bigger scale. I mean, all same. the things. Yeah. And it's, and it's human and it's normal. And, and I'm not trying to be anybody's guru. Like I'm mm -hmm. just trying to walk this path enough to be able to talk about it and help people heal through stories and see themselves in maybe hopefully a slither of what it is that I share and know that they're not alone. And let's walk this path together. And what I'll say is in walking that path, it's not that I've transcended the ego. It's just that I dance with it and I walk with it and I can see mm. it and I can mm -hmm. be the observer of it. And it, it doesn't take me out as much like it used to. Whereas mm -hmm. before, like when I was in my shit, when I was in the like eight year downward spiral uh, of drug and alcohol abuse, it's like I was fully identified with that ego. I was fully identified with believing that I was just a piece of shit. Like that's what mm -hmm. I thought at that time. And now, that unworthiness might look different in when it rears its head sometimes, but I have so much evidence of the way that I've walked the path and overcome it before. Like I had to overcome so many beliefs to even be able to put myself out there online and share my story and overcome so much shame. And then there's another layer of overcoming. I can't be someone that builds a brand and that has a community and overcame that and created. Now it's the next level and layer of that. But I've had so much evidence of like, overcoming the limiting belief in the capacity and that I needed to at that point that I know it's just another level and layer. And when I notice similar thoughts or feelings come up, it's easy to say, oh, that's that part of me. That's that piece that needs to be seen and loved. And now I have the tools to be able to dance with it and communicate with it and love it. And it's simply a part that wants to be loved and seen and heard and acknowledged. And the more that I've been able to practice that, it's like, it's just become a dance um, to co-create with it and, and not try to banish it in any way. The dance. I love the, the terminology because it is a dance. It's never going to go away. It's a survival mechanism for us. If we didn't have ego, we wouldn't have 
a sense of self. But I do agree with a lot of what you said that, you know, it's going to come up in different ways for us. I do want to ask a question. It's going to switch gears a little bit. But one thing that gets brought up a lot with my clients, even with myself, is the money mindset. And for example, a lot of people like myself, like you, who are in the spiritual business or in the content creation space of helping others, for me, I've had a, I would say in the past, I've dealt with a level of guilt of, can I monetize my spiritual business? Can I monetize helping others? Can I monetize spiritual practices? And I have a lot of clients that have a really difficult time connecting that money mindset and their spirituality. What is your take on that? Do you feel like, and I, I kind of know your answer, but I want you to expand on it. How do you feel about having a money mindset and incorporating spiritual practices or even spiritual beliefs? Should we even do it? Yeah. Okay. I love this. And I'm laughing because I just had a real go viral about this that. that was taken slightly out of context because it, it was, always I was answering on a podcast. Always out and, of context. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I got so much hate. I have like 200 comments on that being like, you are horrible. You're the least spiritual person ever. I'm like, you guys, can we all pipe down just right. a little bit? Let's understand like the context and, and the reason why I was saying this. Money is energy. And when we can understand it as a neutral tool, like money doesn't care if you're doing good or if you're doing bad. Money doesn't care what you're doing with it. As long as you are utilizing money and you are creating, you're creating value in the world, whether that we want to say that that value is good or bad, or like we as humans put meaning, we, we create meaning on things. But money is just simply neutral and it flows where there's portals for it to flow. And for me, and I've grappled with this as well, because first I'll say to anybody that is like grappling with that, for anybody that is kind of like, should I, can I, you know, make money off of my gifts and my spiritual um, principles and the things that I teach. And is that wrong? First, I want to say like, I, in many ways, commend you in the way that you have deep integrity with the work. You're very genuine. Like anybody that's asking that question is coming from a really genuine place of like, I want to make sure that I'm helping and that I'm caring and, and that I'm doing right by this work and by these people that I'm helping, right? And I had that same question because like I, I think there is nothing more important in the world than spreading this work and helping people to elevate their own consciousness and elevate their own lives. Mm -hmm. And when I shifted to realize that money is being used, like we're conditioned to think like, you know, I saw so many comments being like, money is the root of all evil and all this stuff, right? Like we're mm -hmm. conditioned to believe things like that and that rich people are bad or wh whatever, whatever that, that belief is. Money is already getting used, whether you like it or not. Money is already getting used in what you might deem as negative ways. Also can be very much used in positive ways. And if we can calibrate ourselves to know, like, if you really believe in the work that it is that you're doing, 
You deserve to have support and energy backing that so that your mission can be greater and reach more people. If you are a good person, which if you're asking this question, then you are, and you're genuine, why would you not want more people to to receive the blessing and the work that you are giving to the world from that place of integrity, why would you not want that, right? Like, don't you want more people to benefit from the beautiful work that you do? And what is the way to do that? We have to have money as a tool to support in that mission, or we don't actually do the work that we're meant to do in the world. We can't actually support it. And On the flip side of that, because I know that there's always an argument for like, but am I taking from these people, from somebody and I'm, am right? Like that, that fear. And just from like a psychological perspective, if somebody gives you a bunch of stuff for free, like how do you value it? Right. Versus if you really see the value in something and you pay for it, are you going to show up? Yeah. You're going to show up. So it's really serving not only you in in that energy exchange, but also the person to invest in what, um, what can really change and transform their lives. And people that are playing at, uh, uh, that level, like for me, like I've made a lot of big investments in my business. It's been the best thing I ever freaking did. And so I had to get out of that mindset as well and just realize that like I'm actually in service when I'm serving in in this way and I deserve to have money help me to run and fund and and spread this mission. Yes, money is energy. It's like going to a doctor. You wouldn't yes, it would be great if doctors worked for free and they could help us. I mean, I'm a therapist and I do tarot readings too. Would I love to help every single person? Sure, of course. But I I have to live. But I also do other things like free lives. I do readings for people that, you know, can't do they can't afford it. I I give an hour. I do therapy for people who, you know, can't afford therapy. And at least I'm donating some of my time. I'm making free content. And so I had to get out of that mindset as well to know like, okay, I'm doing a service for people. I am genuinely helping people. I don't take advantage. I do, even when I do my readings, I'm ethical. And that's why I attract the clients that I have because I'm a no bullshit ethical person and I genuinely care. So thank you for that nuggets of wisdom. Cause I know a lot of people struggle with that. I do want to end with, um, I have a deck of cards And I want to pull from the deck and see what question comes up naturally and see what your answer is. And let's shuffle. By the way, I saw a picture on your website with some tarot. Do you dabble in tarot as well? I do. I do. I, I don't love give it. readings. I mean, at my at my retreats, we'll do some stuff and it's just fun, but I pull cards I for myself it. and yeah. Yeah. That's I have great. my whole scheme of decks over here. I got mm. too many to count. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Okay. So let's see. Two came out. I'm going to ask you, ooh, I know which one I want to ask you. What if you could let go of perfectionism in its entirety. What are the things that you will need to stop obsessing over? Mm. This is a good one for me right now. This is something that I still, I still work through. 
something that I say to myself when I notice going into that pattern is that done is better than perfect. So your B minus work that's out in the world is serving so much more than your A plus work that stays on your, your computer. Mm. And we can understand that if we're coming from a place of service, typically if I'm in, in perfectionism, I'm in my own shit and I'm in my own ego. And I still do it. I'm still, I still get caught up in that, right? Because we care, we want things to be good, and we can, it, it's often, perfectionism is often wrapped in being a high achiever. It's often mm -hmm. praised in many ways. But if perfectionism is keeping you from actually putting your work out in the world, you're not being a true service that you could be if you get out of your head and into your heart and into the place of giving. And so just consistently repeating that to yourself, that done is better than perfect and my B minus work is good enough. I love that. I'm going to give that to my daughter who yeah. procrastinates on everything because it's not perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I will be giving that advice. Yeah. She's going into high school. So, you know, her work, it's like, I'm like, why haven't you done it? She's like, oh, because it's not how I like it. I'm like, but you got to turn it in. You have to get some kind of grade on it. So just do it. Um, thank you so much just for your energy, your wisdom, and, you know, just dropping the knowledge that you've had. I know that, you know, you do this stuff for free. This is your time that you give, and this helps so many people. So thank you from the bottom of my heart, because I know so many people are going to get so much out of this conversation. Now, I know you do a lot on, uh, on behind the scenes with your brand. I would love to know what you're working on right now. I am going to link everything for everyone to find you, but please let us know what's going on with you, where people can find you and uh, how people can work with you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And, and thank you so much for having me on. This has been such a fun show today and I've appreciated your questions and, and you're just a great interviewer. So first thank off, you. just, yeah, acknowledge you for that. And uh, second, for anybody that is finding me from this show, please come say hi. Um, do not be shy. DM me and let me know that you found me um, through here. And you can connect with me on all platforms, primarily Instagram at Rachel Gibbler, which I'm sure you will put in the show notes or on my podcast. You can go listen to it on Spotify and Apple. It's fucking spiritual. And we've got 111 episodes out right now. We did take a break and we are about to launch season two. So definitely stay tuned for that. It's going to be filmed and really, really fun. Um, so that is launching soon. I've got a group coaching program also that that is launching uh, called Manifestation University. I've got retreats. I've got a retreat in October. So just come over in my world and I will be showing you all the things. Um, and I've got a, I have a meditation freebie as well. I could, I can give you a um, your listeners too. And we can put that in the show notes if that's something that you're open for. That would be great. First of all, 111, 111. That's my number. It's like, it comes to me 20 times a day. Love that. And I'm pretty sure I have to look, but I almost want to say you're going to be my hundredth episode. I'm almost positive. I'm honored. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I and think congratulations. you're going to be, thank you. Yeah. I think you're going to be 100. Yeah. You know how hard it is to, to run these podcasts. So oh, thank yeah. you again. And, um, I so appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you as well.